welcome back to the Anti-Football Podcast with me, Thomas Norman and Luke Griffin. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Tottenham Hotspur and their last two games uh, in the Premier League, which were a 3-1 defeat at home to Liverpool and then a shock 1-0 defeat away to Brighton. Um, first of all, we'll just quickly review what our thoughts are from those games um, and, yeah, what, what that what the fallout has been from them. Uh, Griff, do you want to do a quick sort of, like, review of the two games and then we'll move on? Yeah, I mean, both are really basically disappointing, really. I mean, the Liverpool game, you know, Liverpool's obviously going to be a tough game, but in their current situation, like being in poor form and having sort of a fairly um, fair side with, like, quite a few injuries and, you know, no senior centre-backs, really, um, it was definitely a good opportunity, as we said in the preview, um, really good opportunity to gain some points over like one of our rivals at the top of the league. Um, so, of course, it was a real disappointing performance where we just didn't really show anything. Uh, I think we only took three shots the entire game and just didn't really put up much of a fight. Our, only, our goal was a Hoiberg um, long shot, which I was glad to see him get. But, you know, it's frustrating that other than like that, we didn't really show much intent at all going forward and then Brighton was just uh, fairly painful uh, I really didn't enjoy watching it at all I lost focus massively in the second half just because it was, it was just not enjoyable whatsoever I think we took about eight shots but like barely had any real chances and we didn't look like scoring at all Yeah uh, you mentioned the number of shots there so in the Liverpool game uh, Tottenham had three shots in the match and, and Liverpool had 14 um, even though the possession was basically 50-50. And then the Brighton game, uh, Brighton had 16 shots to Spurs' eight, even though Spurs had 50, 57% of the ball. Do you think this sort of inability to create chances, obviously it is a problem. What do you think is the root of the problem in this inability to create chances and be sort of efficient in front of goal and in the final third uh, with the ball? In possession, as I talked about before, we just don't really feel like we have much idea of what we're doing. Um, and then against Brighton last night, missing Kane was definitely a big miss, which obviously it would be. But, you know, sort of hoping that, you know, you want to get to the point where, yes, of course, you want Kane playing as much as possible. But you want to, if he's not playing, you still want to be able to um, attack and not just your game just completely fall apart, which is what it felt like happened last night. Um, you know, Bale, Bergwijn Son came in as a front three. But like we just didn't really give them anything to do, and it just felt fairly helpless. Um, and we just we just don't feel like we have much of a game plan in possession, and that's why you know yeah, we're going to surprise. We had a decent amount of possession, but we did nothing with it. Um, and then we conceded, I think you know uh, one goal, but they also hit the post, and I think they had a good chance later on as well. So like it easily could have been more, and um, I think the expected goal was like one point eight or something. Um, and it was just just really just showing nothing going forward like there was nothing to be excited about whatsoever or feel like we're really building towards anything and it was as though Vinicius came on in the second half but um you know part of me would have liked to see him start and give, give him a chance but again it just shows that you know there clearly isn't a level of trust there for him really yeah um Kane went off at half time after the in the in the Liverpool match and then as a result missed the Brighton game through injury as well uh do you think that these games really highlighted once again how reliant Spurs can be uh, on Kane and Son both playing 
in order to to create chances and be a real threat compared to the other teams at the top of the table. Uh, yeah. 100%. I mean, you know, it, we obviously have two world-class players in Son and Kane, and it's understandable that most of our goals come through them, but it is a worry that, you know, in the past when Kane has been injured, Son has stepped up really well and his record with when Kane isn't playing is actually exceptional. Um, but the thing is, he can play not very well but actually end up getting goals. So it's sort of like a balancing act between that. But it it is a worry that if anything has to be done now, um, like we have no other sorts of goals. And you know, yes, some of the scores some in these games without Kane, but we're still lacking. And is sort of look, you have to look towards Bergwijn and Bale, who neither of which have really shown much. You know, Bale has barely played. Bergwijn has been good, but you know his end product isn't what it should be. Uh, and Domblé gets a couple of goals, but you know he's especially now he's playing deeper as well in the current system. Hoiberg, that's his first goal in like two years. Um, Regillon, who's one of our highest shot takers and gets in actually good um, positions, isn't playing at the moment because he's injured. Um, so at the moment, and we're also not great from set pieces, so it just doesn't really feel like we have any way to score um, at the moment, and that is a really big worry, and we need to back as soon as possible. You talked about the system there. Uh, before we get on to that, you, you just mentioned set pieces. Spurs, they... Well, they go hand in hand, the, the system and, and set pieces, I would say, because you play three centre-backs is how it's, how it's what was a common theme in the, in the Brighton game and the, and the Liverpool game. So obviously you have three centre-backs on the pitch, four set pieces, which I know height isn't everything, but it is, can be a big thing. And that's why centre-backs tend to score a lot of goals from set pieces. What do you think the problem is there? Is that to do with the set piece takers or is that to do with sort of set pieces that need to be worked on in the training ground, or is it just one of those things that it's not really been focused on too much? Um, I've, I've complained for a while that our set pieces haven't been good enough. I mean, you know, last night we played a very, quite a big team. I mean, obviously three centre-halves were all big, Rodon, Sanchez and Alavera were all, you know, 6-2 plus. You have Davies, a left-back, who can play centre-half. You have Soko at right-back, who is a big guy, even though he's actually not that good in the air. Hoiberg's decent size. Bale is also um, capable in the air. So, you know, it's a fairly big side. Um, but the main problem for recent years has been um, the set piece taker. Since Ericsson left, we haven't replaced him in that aspect. Um, you know, and last night against um, Brighton, we only had two corners anyway, so it's not like we had too much of a chance to really take advantage of it. But just in general, this season, I think we could be better from corners. Um, with Tongan, I remember, used to be quite good at them. But I think um, defensively, we've obviously been poorer than at times and conceded sloppy goals from there um, and I think it is a, a case that Mourinho's sides often don't uh, aren't that effective from set pieces and I think he is I don't know hasn't adapted well um, and that's part of his game where he should be looking to change things up but has been kind of uh, almost stubborn about it and as far as I'm aware I'm, I'm very sure we don't have a, a specialised set piece coach which is something I think all top clubs should have um, but yeah, I mean, looking forward to like our summer recruitment, I think bringing in a set piece taker is going to be important because at the moment you have usually Son takes our corners and he's just not really a set piece taker. Like he doesn't okay job, but it's really not some uh, a reliable source of goals for us, which is something under Pochettino we were excellent at. And we got a lot of goals uh, through set pieces and it was like a really, um, you know, if Son or Kane are having an off day, yeah, you, maybe you can look towards set pieces and someone like, Adavero, Vatongan or Sanchez could step up and or Dyer as well. 
uh, step up and make a difference there. But at the moment, it's just not the case. Yeah, uh, you could talk about in relation to Spurs, but just branching out a little bit, sort of in a broader sense, do you think that sort of set piece takers as as players are are often sort of overlooked in terms of their their importance to a side? Because I think sometimes I see set piece takers called out for for only being like good at set pieces and not really adding maybe much else in, in open play, but from we talked about you just talked about how good you were from set pieces under Pochettino so they can be hugely important what do, what do you think of that sort of idea that some players are, are just known for being good at set pieces and very little else and how that is sometimes used as a criticism of them yeah I mean it really depends on the team I think lower sort of mid-table and bottom half teams can definitely get away with it more you know if I'm managing like a lower bottom to half team, then I would happily have someone in that team who is a world-class set piece taker, but in possession or just in open play doesn't really offer me much. But if he's still contributing goals at the other end of the pitch, um, then he's going to have a, a net positive impact on the game. But you could argue that for like a, a top team like Spurs, um, you can't really have someone in the game who isn't offering you enough in open play. So the ideal situation is to have someone who is a good player <clears throat> Christ, <hang on. coughs> um, ideally you want to have someone who's a good player but also is a good set piece taker like we did with Ericsson um, and sort of you know Liverpool with uh, Trent for example um, and it's something we've missed since uh, losing Ericsson and haven't replaced properly which is something we definitely need to be looking at um, I do think that set piece specialists are interesting players but I, I don't think I necessarily have one at Spurs um, you know the, the sort of one that comes to mind would be Skov at Hoffenheim, who was a right winger in Denmark, but they moved, they played him as a left back or a left wing back, and he really doesn't do much for them uh, in, in possession, but he is an excellent set piece taker. Um, and they, he pretty much just, they just almost tucked him in and hit him at left back, where he just does an okay job, nothing special. But then as soon as they win set pieces, then he can uh, come into action. And uh, Griffo, um, the Italian uh, who plays with Freiburg, He's also a very good set piece taker, and he's plays sort of a, a similar role where it, he doesn't do much in open play. He's he's decent, but nothing special. But he's in the team for his set piece ability. Yeah, it, it's interesting if we go back to Spurs about, about Ericsson, um, because he was so sort of well from an outside point of view. I don't know. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but he seemed to be very consistent, and I I always liked him as a uh, with with regards to set pieces. I always liked him as a player and thought he did offer a lot. And it was interesting to see that Spurs were rumoured to be interested in bringing him back, uh, especially given the uh, sort of relationship that we saw between Mourinho and Eriksson in the documentary when Eriksson seemed very adamant that he wanted to leave. We touched on it earlier about the 3-4-3. What are your thoughts on it as a system with this Spurs team? I know you have been an advocate of of 3-4-3 and that type of system before. what have you? What have been its downfalls and positives, if there are any, from from the last couple of games? I mean, you know, I think looking back at the Sheffield United game, it, I was, you know, really hopeful about the use of that system. It looked really good in that game. Yes, it was going against Sheffield United, but you know, they're looking a lot better at this point. So it's not like a, it doesn't mean nothing. And then the, from the last two games, I feel like the performance overall was just so poor. That, 
Uh, it didn't really matter what system we were using, whether we were using a three four three or a four two three one. Wouldn't have actually made any difference because overall we just were poor and just weren't, didn't show anything really. Um, so I, I, it's these two games weren't aren't the best examples to really look at the three four three and sort of analyze how we want to use it going forward. I'd say the main talking point or the main difference really is in Domble playing deeper, where he's been really good. Um, you know, we get him on the ball a lot more and he can sort of impact the game a lot more. And yes, he's been great at a 10, but he is more influential um, in deeper areas where we can sometimes struggle. And obviously the difference between having him and Sissoko in those sort of areas in possession is going to be huge. Um, so, it, you know, I like it for that reason. And I think Hoiberg's also been really good in these last two games. But the performance as a whole haven't really given us enough to really or given me enough to really be confident either way at the moment. Yeah, it, interesting that you say it wouldn't make too much, you didn't think it would have made too much of a difference to these games. Um, because I think I think it could be the case that players do get comfortable playing in a certain system. Um, and obviously 4-2-3-1 four, four, was used quite a lot. Um, so yeah, could could that be the case that Maybe players don't feel as the players don't feel as comfortable in this three four three, especially if now they you wouldn't imagine. So could it have an impact on them that they've lost these two games playing this system and it starts to have sort of a negative association with with the players and and that sort of system with three at the back. I don't think so, and I don't think it should either. I can understand, yeah, players get comfortable in certain positions, but and roles, but however, but you know, at the end of the day, we've only made you know the difference between them isn't that. Substantial. It's little tweaks and I think improvements. Um, and Domble, it's not like he's the real one that's having to change. Um, you know, I think the back three benefits all three of the defenders individually. Um, and if it's like last night, for example, we had Rodon and Sanchez on the outside to equip defenders. Um, and it sort of gives Toby more protection in the middle and meant he actually had a pretty good game. Whereas sometimes in a back four, he can be. Um, um, vulnerable at times um and yeah and Don Blaise you know he's used to playing in deeper areas that's where he normally plays and he recently he's been playing as a 10 uh the front three is like yeah they're in the same spaces at times but at the same time it's still it's fundamentally not that different and I I yeah it's a change and they're gonna have to adapt to it but I don't think it's necessarily the case and like you know we've been using three games the first and the first game was good against poor opposition but it was still a really well, a pretty good performance that I was really happy with, and then the other two have been poor. And I, yes, I know I've said that I felt like players didn't know what they were doing, but I, we look like that in four-two-three-one as well. So I don't think it's necessarily down to the system. I think it's more to do with just the team as a whole. Yeah, obviously there's a lot of uh, contributing factors, um, and you, as you say, it's not too different in terms of actual roles, but. I suppose there is that thing that it could have an impact by the way that you were performing so well up to recently. Well, results-wise, up till I don't know how many games ago, a month ago or a couple of months ago. And then suddenly this change has happened and it sort of could have a negative impact. But I, as you say, there are there's other things, especially with the last two games, with Kane being injured and all. Um, so, yeah. Uh, another part of that formation are wing backs. Um, what have you thought of Spurs' choices at wing backs and under Mourinho? And 
how they performed in, in those roles. Yeah, so against Liverpool, um, we used Ore on the right and Doherty on the left. And um, Ore had an okay game, nothing special, but was sort of at fault for the first goal, um, I thought, even though you know, ultimately it came down to Dyer and Lloris messing up to let it in, but it really it stemmed from Ore, um, who should have done better against Mane, really. And then on the left was Doherty, who just was really poor, just uncomfortable in possession, really like I don't know I was just watching him in defence and he just looked a bit clueless at times like Davies is having to tell him exactly what to do and that's interrupting Davies game those two just didn't really work very well as a pair even though I thought Davies did no change job but it was pretty poor overall um and then already came off at half time and it just I was just um pretty poor overall and then against Brighton we used Davies on the left and Sissoko on the right so obviously completely switch up um and I thought Davies was like had a rare poor performance last night. Uh, really didn't show much and just made some sloppy, sloppy errors, which is something you really don't expect from him. And uh, Sissoko didn't offer much from the right, even though I thought it was an, a role he could do okay in. But, um, you know, I thought he almost, he, the, the strengths to his game last uh, that he normally has, he didn't really play to last night and didn't show them, uh, which is disappointing. Um, but, you know, once we have Riggi on and then, you know, Aurier does the job on the right, I would really like to get him uh, upgraded, but Rigion uh, is definitely one of the biggest misses as well as Kane. Um, he has become really influential on our side um, for sure this season. Yeah, we've spoken about to- Doherty being um, struggling to settle in really into in terms of football at, at Spurs. Um, uh, you another couple of the players you mentioned there were, were Aurier and Sissoko. Um, what what are your thoughts on their impacts in in the dressing room from sort of a personality point of view, rather than as well as and a psychological point of view, rather than a, a footballing point of view in terms of on the pitch how they perform? Um, it's hard to judge from the outside. I mean, you sort of have some insights and some sort of idea, but you know, I sort of have an idea of how I view each player from that perspective. But you know, it's hard to know how accurate that really is. Um, you know, I tweeted the other day how if there's issues in the train in the dressing room, specifically with those two, um, it is a worry because they're sort of uh, in Domblay's group and his sort of support network, and we're really influential in him um, adapting to the league and being happy here now and excelling, whereas before he was struggling. Because um, you know, Ore came off at half time against Liverpool, and that's because apparently there was um, quite a big eruption at half time. He was key to that, and I think there was. Um, a lot of argument and heated a heated argument between players um and Sissoko is an important person in the dressing room and has proven to be that um and you know he made some comments in an interview last week or you know a week or two ago about Mourinho and and our game uh, which were fairly negative and he, he then until last night hadn't played um which I don't know if that's related but it was interesting considering he was a sort of a mainstay in our team and then was suddenly out um but, you know, he's back in now, but sort of due to necessity more than anything. And also because Aurier um, was also sort of put out of the team for a similar reason. Um, so I think there are some issues in the dressing room at the moment. Um, and those two are key, like sort of important members, uh, especially Sissoko. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out, really. Yeah. Um, we with regards to to the dressing room and, and possible fallouts between possibly like the players and, and Jose, um, 
you sent me a quote and you, you thought you uh, showed me it on Twitter uh, about Mourinho's time at Real Madrid and how he said that it was down to his work uh, coaching the attacking movement and occupying the space uh, with Real Madrid. And that's why they'd performed well initially. And then there was a big fallout because the players said that he told them basically that nothing and that they just had to come up with it by themselves. Um, and then there's also been quite a lot of like talk about United fans used to be very critical of him uh, during his time there. Uh, do you think we're seeing a pattern with Mourinho and do you think that that should be worrying for Spurs? Yeah, I mean, with Mourinho, people always talk about, you know, Mourinho's third season is when it sort of falls apart and he never really lasts much longer than that. And, you know, that's not necessarily always a problem because he's won stuff in his first two seasons. The, pro- the worry is for Spurs that we're seeing it potentially really early on um, before we won anything. Yeah, we put ourselves in a decent position to get some silverware this year, but it could so easily fall apart at the same time. Um, you know, and yeah, the Real Madrid quote I thought was really interesting because it's like, um, you know, Mourinho said that the, the reason they were playing so well because of the coaching he's done uh, for attacking movement and occupying space. But the, apparently, apparently the players were actually shocked by this because uh, they had no idea what they were meant to be doing in possession, but they were coming up with the solutions themselves because they were, you know, obviously with Real Madrid, you have such accomplished players that they can do that. But, you know, with our current squad, maybe that um, experience and that technical ability to take charge and lead the game themselves isn't there, which is a worry. And I think, especially with Kane not playing, a massive worry. Um, so, you know, United fans love to remind us um, how Mourinho was uh, with them and how, you know, I've heard several United fans say this in the recent days, this <clears throat> Spurs' situation feels like Mourinho's situation at United during his final weeks and months um, where you almost like the situation gets to a point where it's sort of like uh, I think like where it's just the point of no pass the point of no return really and that this, it's just going to get worse from here um, and it's just the dressing room the players don't like it like it's just not going to go well essentially um, and it's just disappointing almost if this is the case that we're seeing it so early, whereas you'd sort of expect it, you, it, it you'd expect it in a year or two, which is a weird thing to say, uh, in a sense, because you almost, you know that with Mourinho, you're, it's going to end badly. But as long as it's, you have the good part in between, then I, I, people tend to accept it. But, and that's why he doesn't tend to leave a great legacy at the clubs he's left. Yeah. Um, to play devil's advocate a bit, uh, just before I ask you quite a blunt question, uh, Mourinho is still you're still currently in the Carabao Cup final you're in the fifth round of the FA Cup still in the Europa League in the knockout stages and you're still uh, is it six, sixth in the Premier League with a game in hand on West Ham to take you up to 36 points if you won that um, which would three points off the Champions League places in Leicester City so even though you aren't in a great vein of form granted and the defeat to Brighton is worrying um, it isn't like you're in an absolute huge spiral from an outside point of view looking in and I for one I know that it can be bad when people say that about from an outside point of view looking in because a lot of people have said that Bruce is doing a good job at Newcastle for example and every Newcastle fan will pretty much tell you that he's not so with sort of both sides 
in mind. Are you Jose Mourinho in or Jose Mourinho out at the moment? Um, uh, it, it's tough because you know I, I agree that in a way um, it's a similar situation with Bruce and Mourinho in terms of you know it's easy to say you know we've been terrible. I really don't like Mourinho, but then you look at our results and our position in the table and it's like, oh, actually, maybe it's not too bad. And it was a similar thing last season where, you know, you actually look at the league table since Mourinho came in and we did really well, but some of the performances were absolutely horrendous and it just, it was really worrying. But then it's so easy for anyone to say, oh, look, look at the results. Um, and it is a worry at the moment. I agree with you. you know, like, it's not, we're not as likely at panic stations yet. We're still like doing well in the league, doing well, got the cup final coming up. Uh, Europa League kicks off this month again I think um, obviously that's going to be fairly important for us and one of our main priorities and you know we're in the running for everything um, but you know we're not going to win the league but um, top four is definitely achievable um, but it, it, it's still the fact that the games aren't good and yeah we've already won I think two games in our last nine now and the FA Cup isn't much of an achievement because with respect to Marine and Wickham their games you'd expect to win. So it's not exactly a massive achievement to get to the fifth round um, for a top club. Um, so I'm I'm not Mourinho out, but I, I don't particularly, I don't like him. I don't at the moment, and I don't particularly want him here, but I also don't think sacking him right now is a good decision, if that makes sense. Um, would, you, would you say you're Mourinho sceptical? I'm definitely a Mourinho sceptical. Um, you know, I've always liked him as a manager. You know, you can't really argue against his um, achievements. But, you know, at this point, you know, looking at this team, it's just, it's not even like a rat about playing amazing, attacking uh, football with like really attractive style. It's not about that. It's just the fact that we don't even look like a good team. We don't look like we have any good players in the team. And without Kane, it's a massive worry. And it just feels like the squad is being misused at times and like, all his substitutes are just a bit odd, and like we haven't made, we haven't made any signings this window, um, and it's just really not promising at all for the rest of the season. And I feel like if the Carabao Cup didn't exist, um, we'd be looking at this really differently. Interesting point that we need to focus on in there as well is that you say the performances haven't been good enough, and obviously the name of the podcast is, is anti football podcast. So I think it's important to reiterate that. Well, at least I think that we're not, you're not expecting incredibly attacking football and to go out and win games 4 3 and stuff. You're just saying that it's important that the team looks defensively solid and looks like it has a bit of a plan to go forward when it does get to go forward. Yeah, I mean, being a good team doesn't mean it doesn't matter whether you're in a it's really amazing attacking or amazing defensively, but you know. We're not even we're not doing either at the moment. We're like I'm happy to play defensive football. I'm happy to um, grind out results and be sort of a scrappy, just hard to play team. And I'm happy to do that as long as it's working. And at the moment, it's not at all um, in possession or out possession. I mean, fair enough. Our defensive record has been decent this season, um, but at the same time, it we're just so sloppy at times. Um, and I don't think you know part of me doesn't think the defense is the issue. I think the the problem is. Just our game management has been really poor. Um, that's why we haven't been able to hold on to leads. Um, and that's why we haven't been scoring enough goals. And we're so reliant on two players um, because 
the goals we score are really simple um, and we play to those simple strengths and yeah we can but if those um, if it doesn't come together and those chances don't come then we're not going to score and we don't really show much threat outside of that and when one of the two really goal-threatening players isn't playing then you know it's a big worry and we you know I was I was very skeptical before the game last night I wasn't feeling confident at all um, and I was it proved why that was the case. So moving on, just uh, looking forward, having spoken in detail about the last, the recent past. Um, as we record this, um, Tottenham are playing against Chelsea on Thursday of this week. A possibly reinvigorated Chelsea uh, under new management. Uh, how do you see that one going, given Spurs' recent form? Are you Again, very worried, or are you more confident, or what? What are your thoughts? I don't like being negative, and I don't like being a pessimist. But I honestly think Chelsea might batter us. I'm really worried about it. Um, I thought I, I've really enjoyed their two games on two shells so far, and I think they're only going to get better, um, especially as he gets to know his players and the players get to know his understand the system, and he sort of develops what is going to be his strongest lineup. Um, but you know, Kane's not going to be back. It's unclear whether Reguilón's going to be back. The Celso is back in training, I believe, but you know whether he's going to be fully fit is another question. Um, and I'm I'm really not hopeful for this game at all, and I'm not looking forward to it to be honest. And then looking at the games past that, I mean, we've got West Brom, who we struggled against earlier in the season, and uh, we only won due to a 90th minute winner from Kane, um, which was deserved, but it wasn't good enough overall. Um, then we have Everton in the cup, who we lost to on the opening day of the season, which was an unfortunate loss. But again, we didn't really show much against them. We were poor, even if we I thought we were unfortunate to concede, really. Uh, and then we have Man City, who we obviously have a good record against in recent years. But they're always very fortunate wins. Uh, we don't necessarily deserve them. And whether we can play play the same way and get the same result is going to be another question. And we're relying a lot on luck. And then from there, we've got the... Um, our Europa League first round leg against Wolfsburger, um, which I'm looking forward to. And obviously, I'm very optimistic about Europa League, but, you know, it's still a really important game that we need to um, really take seriously. Yeah, well, we'll be sure to review them as they come along. Um, is there anything else you want to add uh, before we wrap up this podcast? Uh, yeah, just quickly, obviously, one of the things that's been mentioned a lot recently is um, from the... All or nothing documentary there's that scene where they the players come in at half time i believe and delhi sort of is kicking off a bit and saying you know all, it is, all we're doing is smashing it along and defending um and obviously delhi's been sort of shunned from the squad this season it's frustrating because most first fans do want to see him integrated back into the squad and given a chance because you know we're talking about a lack of sources of goals and he is a massive source of goals um on his day and it just feels like we have, there's a massive potential in the squad, but we're just not utilising whatsoever. Um, and part of that is because he, I'd imagine that he does not like playing under uh, Mourinho at all, as he has pretty much stated. Um, and he, you know, uh, PSG have come in for him several times on loan. And I think we've rejected it three times now. So it's the, the club isn't allowing it, but at the same time, we're not using him. So we're just sort of laying waste away. And I honestly don't see the point. Um, you know, it play, he wants, he was, excellent in the pitch, you know, and he wants to be reunited with him in Paris, and that makes complete sense to me, and I, you know, if we're not going to use him, I don't see the point of just letting him hang around and have his value further decrease when he could go over there, 
gain his confidence back and then we can either sell him for a lot of money or can um you know if in six months time Rooney is not here then he can come back reinvigorated and rejoin the squad under a new manager yeah uh, as you as you mentioned there it it seems unlikely that he's he's going to go to PSG as well as we record this we're recording this on deadline day for the, for those who are interested I, what I find odd is the the idea that yeah that one of the main reasons that Spurs are unwilling to let him go is because they're not going to bring in a replacement. But as you say, he's not exactly playing a huge part in the squad at the moment. So I don't see, if he's not going to play, I don't see what how big a miss he would be and how a replacement would be vital. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, make sure to follow us on the, on Twitter, which is at underscore Andy Football underscore. And uh, thanks again for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>